0: Got One man up and Jonathan Joseph comes straight through the middle. Got Mike Brown to beat to the last
1: line of a defense. And here goes Joseph. Joseph's going to get over. Well, mm. he was absolutely knocked back into next win by Atwood. Mm. Dave mm. Atwood has got titanium in his shoulders at the moment. Watson goes on the outside. Oh, Watson goes mm. magnificently on the outside.
0: Mm. Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug. The rugby podcast by the fans, for the fans. Plugging the boys in blue, black and white. We are back and we have a win to talk about this week. Thank God for that. Oh, hi. My name is Gabriel. I'm joined in studio by Charlie. Hi, Gabriel. And down the line this week, we're joined by Tom. Hi, Tom.
1: Hello, boys. How are you?
0: Yeah, very well, thank you. A um, bit relieved to, to finally have a win to talk about. I, I'm back in studio because we've got that win. Um, and yeah, really, really happy. And it was, uh, it was a great... Um, a great result for Bath, uh, the, getting the fourth pie points as well, which I'm sure will come into. Um, but Tom, before we start talking about the game itself, you were at the Rec on Sunday to watch the game. How was the? How was that?
1: It was it, well. I, I was going to say it was brilliant. I mean, for the first sixty minutes or so, it was um, it was pretty dire, to be honest. Um, it was you know the classic uh, sort of mistakes we're talking about, inaccuracies, um, sort of lack of ability to finish our opportunities. Um, but at the end of the game, it kind of felt like none of that really mattered at all. And my sort of overwhelming fe- feeling leaving the ground was, um, you know, as a club, um, and I think particularly looking forward to next season with the, with all the changes that are being made, I think we really, really needed that win. Um, um, you know, it's amazing how 10 minutes of rugby can completely uh, sort of change um, the whole atmosphere in the ground Changed the whole outlook on the club by reporters, you know, both in the stadium on the day um, and also on, on social media. So I think it was really, really crucial, uh, not only for, for you know, this season and, and finishing in the top six, um, but looking forward uh, that we got that win. And, and it was fantastic to be able to say goodbye to, um, you know, the many leavers, both on the coaching and the playing side, um, who, whose game it was, the, you know, it was their last game at the, uh, the rec. So, uh, yeah, really enjoyable uh, last hour. And, you know, I stayed around um, at the end, um, for those of you on Twitter, I met my hero, um, my new favourite man, Rory McConaughey, um, who who's a really, really nice guy. Um, and spoke to a few other uh, other players, so yeah, um, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it, boys.
0: And, and what was the atmosphere like, sort of during the game? Like focusing perhaps more on the on the seventy minutes of rugby before the last ten. What was the atmosphere in the Rex uh, like? Because it sounded quite sort of tetchy or uh, watching it on the telly.
1: Yeah, it was. Um, I think it was. It was, as you say, tetchy both in the stands um, and on the field. Um, to be honest, it was a pretty, uh, pretty mediocre first half of rugby. Um, obviously, the three tries that came—the the one for Jonathan Joseph and then the two WAS tries—were completely born out of missed tackles, essentially, and mistakes from the mm. from the defending side. Um, it wasn't particularly good rugby. Um, I think the fans were becoming increasingly frustrated. Um, you know, we got dominated at the scrum, gave away a number of a number of penalties. There, most notably at the end of the, the first half, which was really, really frustrating, um, obviously, being with the clock being in the red. Um, and I think when it got to sort of that 60, 70 minute mark, as you say, there was sort of a, an air of resignation, oh, we're going to lose the game, we're sort of thrown away uh, this season. Freddie Burns went off injured, which um, to me, I, I thought that was sort of that, was that because he was running that back line um, quite nicely and was one of the standouts up until that point. But uh, obviously, as I say, um, turned it around and. Uh, you know, really nice to be on uh, a winning side, particularly at the death.
2: Yeah, who who knew uh, the reason we're not looking for another 10 is we've had one all along. <laughs> Alex Davis, he's there, he's there, he's been the man. You know, suddenly he comes on, boom. Boom.
0: Yeah, I, I do think actually, we'll come on to it in a bit more depth uh, later on, but I do think the substitutions made a massive impact on that game. But before we uh, come on to the last bit of the game and, and sort of analyse what changed and, and just how we managed to turn it around, let's focus a little bit on the, on the first 70 minutes. And, and as you say, uh, there, Tom. It was uh, it was a pretty uh, Charlie. You you come in here actually because yeah. you you've not said anything. But as as Sitting Tom as Tom said, um, it was a pretty dismal seventy minutes of rugby. I think from both sides. Um, just just sort of what would you have put? What did you put that down to?
2: Well, pretty much summed our season up in a nutshell. I thought you know we got off to quite a good start. You know, perfect start really. Jonathan Joseph breaks through. We take take that opportunity as soon as it's delivered to us. Uh, and you know, I thought I thought we were looking quite dangerous at the start, and then. As we've seen so many times, we just tailed off. You know, I, I credit where credit's due. I did think the wasp attack looked very lively. You know, like Gabby Lobelovolava, whoever. Sorry, I have definitely <laughs> pronounced that wrong. But uh, yeah, he 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 was he was looking extremely dangerous. Offloads left, right, and centre. You know, they they were really you know. You know unpinning our un- unpinning our defence and uh, they they looked dangerous. You know, quite li- quite rightly, to be honest, were rewarded with two tries later on in the second half. But mm. and I I I sat there thinking to myself, I've seen this a hundred times before. This has been Bath season through and through and through. Uh, and I thought, well, yeah, as you said, Tom, uh, it seemed to be an air of inevitability about it. And I thought we were just going to roll over. But uh, yeah, we some- something something just came back to us in in, in that in that last well, mm. last ten really. Yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, I managed to turn it around. I do think Loba
0: Valavu sort of had a couple of of nice moments, but like our defence in in that first half in particular was was really really not very good. Like both of his, uh, well, he didn't score either of them, but both of the try assists that he had, one for Nizam Kar and one for Nathan Hughes, like they're just missed tackles from from two of our back rowers. Um, and I do think our, our defence sort of let them in in more than sort of their attack. Um, more than their attacks sort of created opportunities and I think that was massively disappointing and and the other sort of disappointing aspect to it was um, was the scrum as you mentioned Tom. I think Ben Urbano um, sort of really struggled, as did Max Lahith, who, are uh, you know, I think he was sort of carrying a slight injury. And I, I think it's really telling, Tom, um, sort of how much we're missing the two guys, Nathan Catt and Henry Thomas, who we've said have been so pivotal. But I think it's really telling, uh, particularly in the scrum department over the past few weeks, it's an area where we haven't been able to get a foothold. And and conversely, the opposition sort of managed to get a few penalties out of us. What did you make of that area more specifically, Tom?
1: Yeah, I think... I completely agree with you to be honest. I think Abano struggled early on. Um, he was definitely hinging and uh, Kieran Brooks was getting the better of him. Kieran Brooks then went off um, injured and Jake cooper mm. who's not a bad replacement tighthead to come on, um, came on and, and sort of um, continued in the same vein um, against Beno. As, as you say, I thought it was strange um, that they kept Max Lahith uh, sort of on the field. I'm not sure whether sort of part of that was emotion, given it was his last game at the REC. I'm not sure if part of it potentially was that Sam Nixon um, was on the bench. I think Peronisse sort of was pulled out relatively uh, late on. Um, and, you know, he's obviously not as as experienced. But to me, it looked like Lahith was kind of on one leg. And, you know, I mentioned mm. that penalty um, on our ball um, when the clock was in the red at the end of the first half. And Lahith just went backwards, sort of, um, at a rate of knots and I, yeah as I say I just don't think he he was he was fully fit so yeah we, we definitely struggled um, uh, in that department but um, I thought Sam Nixon in particular did well um, you know with the experience that he's got to come on and sort of shore that area up slightly.
2: Mm. Charlie any thoughts on on the scrum or anything else you want to? Yeah no out? the scrum was scrum was a bit was it was a bit worrying and uh, I, you know when when you're going backwards like that it it really made you feel that this is not this is not going to be uh, you know, turning up for us anytime soon. Uh, so I was surprised, especially come towards the end of the game when uh, when we we chose to go for the scrum, mm. when we were on their line. I I kind of had my head in my hands, you know, thinking what is what is going on. This this not be any worse. Uh, and uh, yeah, you know, it, it managed to hold up, as you, as you say, Tom. Uh, Nixon did uh, did really well when he managed to come on, and uh, yeah, shored it up nicely. But uh, yeah, it, it just it just shows how much we're missing Cat and uh, and Thomas. As yeah,
0: yeah, completely agree. And then sort of in talking um, about something else, sort of in that first seventy minutes and and perhaps a, a turning point in the game. I know, dying and a lot of Wasp fans certainly will think so. And that was the sort of disallowed try for for Josh Bassett on um, around the sort of thirty minute <laughs> mark, I think it was, and, and that would have given Wasps a two try advantage over Bath, which you know may have pooped crucial at the end. What do we make of the decision to to rule that one out? Because it certainly seems to have, have split opinion.
2: Yeah, I I think it was actually the right the right decision. Uh I, really? it was so, yeah, fantastic uh fantastic build-up to it and it was some fantastic handling but I think if, if you look at the lines on the grass, I I thought the way the where uh Lovabalavu caught it, his hands were going so quickly he was trying to get the ball out so so quickly that it, his hands were going forward the ball did travel forward if you look if you look where he was stood when he passed the ball uh, and used used the lines he was he was a couple of meters back from the line watching on the tv i thought that josh bassett was stretching out although bassett was 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 standing probably in line with uh, lover balavu he was re, uh, stretching out forwards and caught the ball m- much further in front of him so i think it travelled a yard a y- yard forward
1: I, I, I just just to come in there. I didn't see it on the TV. Um, obviously, I was, I was sort of watching it live, and I was shocked when it was given as a forward pass. You know, the you, I don't think, and correct me if I'm uh, wrong here, boys, but I don't think you can look at really like where the ball sort of is is passed and where it's caught relative to the lines. Because obviously, if a player is moving forward, then it's just basic laws of physics that the ball can actually land in front of the player, despite the fact that he's passed it backwards because he's moving when he passes it. So I, that's why I think when I look at these things um, it's sort of where are his hands pointing when he passes the ball which and is me, forward clearly um, in a backwards direction so I was oh, I don't um, think it was I clearly was, was, in a backwards
2: direction at all mm. I think I think, I think his hands his hands he wasn't able to get his. he was trying to pass the ball so quickly that he 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 swung his hands across before he got tackled, and the ball was, was 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 traveling forward straight out of his hands. So,
1: but do you see do you see what I'm saying about the lines? You can't use. Oh, that. yeah, I like...
2: I understand that, but it's 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 a good guideline. Yeah, I I I
0: completely agree with Charlie. I think it was a forward pass, and I I think that the the sort of lead up to the try, it was quite like a nice uh, fluid move by Wasps. Uh, Launchbury passing down on one there, and a lovely Nathan Hughes offload in the lead up. I think that kind of made it so people were sort of wanting it to be a try more than it actually was. I I do think it was a try, and yeah, Tom, you're you're right about. Um, the using the lines as a as a guide probably doesn't really tell us much because it is all about the hand direction. But I do think his hands were going forward, and I, I think it was the right decision to to rule it for a forward pass. And and I, as I say, I think the fact that it was such nice build up and it would have been such a fantastic try if it had been a, a backwards pass. Um, that was sort of the reason why uh, Healy. I know certainly on commentary was well, and of course Delalio was, but I um, only listened to Healy. He was sort of wanting it to be a try. <laughs> Um, more than more than perhaps it, it, it should have been. But,
1: Fair yeah. enough, yeah. yeah. I'll, uh, yeah I'll, I'll sort of take your point on that. I mean, and The one thing I would say as well is that there's been a lot of talk about, oh, that would have put clear water, that would have sort of won the game. We won the game in the end by 12 points. And, you know, the other thing that no one's really mentioning is Woff's got a penalty from that scrum, from the forward pass, um, and actually mm. kicked the point up the back of that penalty. So actually, it was only sort of a four point. Um, buffer when you look at what the final score was so um, yeah might have been a four pass might not have been I know Die Young was uh, pretty <laughs> furious after and uh, I was actually going to ask you G in particular about uh, about the commentary I saw some oh. stuff on on social media about uh, Lawrence delay and I know um, you're a particular fan of his work on BT Sport so boys what was the uh, what was the the coverage uh, the coverage like on the day?
0: No, no I've said my piece about um DeLalio in the past. So, if you want to sort of hear what I think about that, then go back and listen to the old podcast because I don't think anything more needs to be said. But I do think certainly more people on Twitter are starting to cotton onto the fact that he often he sort of sees everything from a wasp point of view he he may not necessarily be biased but he always sort of sees it from their point of view which which fine like he is an ex wasp player so so perhaps fair enough but but you don't get that with the other guys which is why it is so annoying and and if if you're going after Lally then then maybe have someone like Flatman or an ex bath player i know they had toby booth um, on on commentary for a previous game, he obviously wouldn't be able to do it being involved with the club. But an ex-Bath player, on the other hand, to maybe counteract it, if you are going to have the Lallier for Wasp game. But but yeah, I've said my piece on him, and then well, um, so I wasn't it, surprised. That's
1: interesting. Flatman was actually at the wreck mm. um, I think he does sort of Channel Four um, highlights, and yeah, he's sort of famously almost potentially sort of the other way um, because he doesn't want to be seen to be biased. But it was quite interesting watching him sort of, um, you know, going out to the players on the bench and uh, sort of having a bit of a, a laugh and a joke with Anthony Peronisse. Um But yeah, I think he, he generally comes across relatively well when he um, when he's commentating on Bath.
0: Yeah, anyway, let's sort of move this on then, guys. And, and I think that sort of 10 or 15 minutes of podcasting Talking about a Bath win without really talking about any positives. So, so Charlie, let's let's turn this around and talk about the sort of last ten minutes or last seven minutes. Really, is what it was. And and, and for you, what was the biggest change? What change for Bath, which which allowed us to to get those three late tries? I said uh,
2: there was one moment where it was actually early on in the first half, and I, I, I that's when I was feeling most confident and feeling quite positive when we were seven 0 up. And I I saw. Uh, one little passage of play. It was all very sloppy, actually. But I, it was a ball passed to uh, to Rory McConachie, who shipped the ball on rather poorly to Anthony Watson, who then managed to pick it up and pass on to uh, Joe Thockner And I was just thinking to myself, that has gone one, two, three through all of our back three players. And I thought that they were actually coming off their wings and looking for work, especially in the last ten minutes, because Thockner went missing in that in that middle in that middle sector of the game and then there was a real there was a, there was a real noticeable point where he was popping up in the middle of the field he was made some huge carries through the middle of the field and i was thinking why could we have not done this throughout the entire mm. season he's such a dangerous potent weapon and we were actually bringing those back three into the game which mm. i felt we have not done all season and through that middle sector we we weren't managing to do and that's that's for me was one of one of the biggest the, the biggest positives i took away from the game was was our ability to bring in and use those back three players because all three of them are absolutely mm. you know top notch uh Top-notch players in the Premiership. They've been, you know, been standout this season. For example, McConkey and the other two, you know, are, are, are well. You know, they've got international honors. So that, that, that for me was one of the biggest, yeah, uh, the biggest positives. And
0: I think what was helped by that, and I think Austin Healy actually, fair play to him, he's a, he's a brilliant an-, an analyst, analyst of the game, and and he was he did a fantastic piece analysis before that Thoknesiga run, which led to his try in, in the far left-hand corner, and he was sort of saying, just get him the ball here and let him run and get over the game line. I think. Dokkan coming more into the game at the end there I think it was actually strangely helped by the fact that uh, Jamie Roberts had gone off in at, at half time I think he actually made the change and he was replaced by Max Wright who I thought was actually had a, had a really good impact on the game but his game isn't necessarily carrying hard through the midfield and so instead of using sort of Roberts as that carrier at the end there they started to use a and Siga and I think that was actually sort of slightly weirdly helped our game ben and he helped bring us... Blessing in disguise. Exactly, yeah. yeah, blessing in disguise that Roberts went off and we managed to bring and into the game because, as you say, it was sort of him sort of coming to the party at the end there, which uh, I agree sort of allowed us to, to gain the momentum to score those three tries. And he, he, he scored one and, yeah, looked, looked, looked really sharp in the last sort of seven minutes.
1: Yeah, and just to sort of back it up with, with, with some stats, boys, I completely agree with what you're saying. And that back three... Looked absolutely electric, and you know I was out on uh, K- Coquenard's sort of left wing um, in that first half, and he—we've uh, spoken about this before—he just doesn't seem to go looking for the ball, but yet when he gets it, he absolutely was just running over guys. There was that one run down the left mm. wing was right in front of us when he threw—I uh, think it was Rob Miller out of the way like he was like he like he was you know a small child. It was ridiculous, but. You know, say we bring him into the game, we still aren't really using him enough. You know, there were 204 uh, Bath passes in the game. Do you want to have a guess at how many of those passes <laughs> went to fucking a Sieger Three. Four. Four, yeah. And it's just that that's still just not enough. And we've got attacking weapons all over the field. And, you know, when he got the ball, um, he, you know, he did He did ultimately uh, score a try and he, and he was instrumental um, in another try as well. But um, I think there's still sort of more to be done. And I think that both comes from him, i.e. sort of going looking for the ball slightly more, but also, you know, the guys who distribute the ball to him
0: yeah I completely agree. yeah I think we're all in agreement that, that Thock and the Seager had a massive impact and yeah we've been saying it all season when he's on the field just get it in his hands because he's so dangerous even if he's not got the ball in a wide channel he can still crash and, and, and break channels and set that platform which Bath haven't had this season you know Roberts hasn't always provided us with that sort of platform in that first phase so you can get your runners around the corner and, uh, yeah use Thock and Seager to do that and hopefully sort of Gervin Dempsey next year when he, when he starts to implement even further his sort of attacking game plan he starts to use Doc Nesiga and our other big runners into the midfield.
1: Boys, can I just ask ask you guys a question, sort of Mm. what your perception was watching the game on TV? Yeah, yeah. Because it sort of... If you look at the stats for the second half, we were absolutely dominant for the whole second half. You know, we had 85% territory and 79% possession, which is absolutely um, huge numbers. You don't often see sort of stats um, that much in one team's favour. And it sort of felt watching the game, like from the the second half whistle. We were dominating the game. We just were unable for the first sort of half an hour or so to actually translate that into any points. And that's why it wasn't really a massive surprise when those tries came at the end. Did you guys, um, you know, sort of, was that your perception on TV or, or, or for you guys was it just that last 10 minutes when we suddenly came alive
0: No, I do think it was sort of inevitable I think even Galalio said when we scored our, uh, our second try the one that made it 17-0 I think he said that's been coming for a while and and actually Jacques Van Ruin was, uh, had a try disallowed was- sort of yeah. a few minutes before So, and I, I think certainly he was pretty confident that he got that down we just didn't have the, the, the view so that TMO could give it so I do think it was coming in that second half and as you say we were completely dominant and, and, and wasps on the on the other hand, were, were any sort of attacking flair that we had seen, as we mentioned with with Gabby Lobba Valavu, that that was all gone in the second half. You know, we didn't see much of Nathan Hughes in the second half with ball in hand. Um, we didn't see much of any of their attacking runners. Uh, so yeah, I, I I do think that it was coming, but it was it was getting to the stage with sort of six and a half minutes to go where you thought, well, it's felt like it's coming, but but it may not come. And and I think getting that try was sort of a watershed moment for for the other two to go in. And yeah, I I, I completely agree with you, Tom.
2: Yeah, I think I I I agree as well. On, on the TV, we were we were we were battering uh, battering the door down, but we just weren't quite able to open it, and then uh, yeah, when it's when the floodgates finally opened, you know, it was uh, it was completely one way traffic in that uh, in, in that last seven minutes, as you say, Gabriel. So uh, yeah, really uh, really good to see that, but um yeah, it was, a, it was a, a couple of creaky moments, and you you mentioned that held up try by Jack van Ruin and I I, I was thinking at that moment, oh God, our, our scrum's completely on the back foot. This is going to be turned over, and it's going to be uh, you know all the way back to square one. And you know, it it, it only takes uh, one error for the for, you know, for the tables to turn in that respect. And it, when you when you're camped in in the opposition's twenty-two, the you know the 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 the, the mental effect that can have. And we've spoken a lot about know, you know, mental weakness. Uh, if, if you're not able to come away with the points, then uh, it, it, it can really affect you in uh, in that way.
0: Mm.
2: One thing I, I will add as well, I think the bench
0: this week had a, a massive impact, and I know Zach Mercer actually referenced it in his post match interview with with BT Sport. I think he he mentioned that last week they were actually pretty disappointed with the. Um, with the impact that the bench gave uh, in the game in the defeat uh, against Sale a couple of Friday nights ago. I've tried to block that from my memory. But yeah, he mentioned that they were pretty disappointed with the impact of the bench. But this week, I think the bench was absolutely key. And uh, he said Levi Douglas, he thought had probably his best game for Bath, which I would agree with. I think Khan foto looked probably the sharpest he's looked all season, which is just a shame that he's sort of going off. I've mentioned Max Wright. I think he uh, also looked really good. He made one really nice turnover In in that second half, which regained some field position, but yeah, I think the bench this week, Tom, I don't know what you thought about that, but I think the bench this week was was key in sort of turning that game around.
1: Yeah, it was was something I was going to bring up actually. Um, You you mentioned um, Levi Douglas. One thing um, that he did really well, I thought, was kind of stop or or at least reduce the Nathan Hughes um, threat. Mm there was a couple of times, obviously, Nathan Hughes was um, causing us all uh, kinds of trouble in that first half, and obviously walked through um, sort of uh, uh, his, his, Sam Underhill's uh, tackle to score that score that try, and as soon as Levi Douglas came on and Nathan Hughes got the ball, he met him straight away, and he did it two or three times, um, and I think really sort of stamped his authority in the game, showed um, showed his physicality for only a young guy, so I thought that was really promising. Foto Lee was, was the other one I was going to bring up. I thought that was a a real turning point. Um, I, I was happy to see that Chudley had come back into the into the starting lineup. You know, we've spoken um, about Chudley a lot. I thought we'd sort of bring a calm head to proceedings um, and also sort of a, an improved kicking game. However, I actually think um, he sort of kicked quite poorly. Um, hmm. You know, his box kicks were either way too long and gave sort of Vili LaRue the chance to kick back or, 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 or sort of Marcus Watson to run back or he would just sort of get no distance on it at all so it just became sort of a, a you know a 50/50 ball pretty much where he'd where he'd kicked it so yeah I didn't think he had his best game but by contrast Fotsi Lee came on and just injected some energy and some pace into the game as mm. we've seen him do particularly sort of you know in seasons in seasons gone by um I thought that was a, that was a big moment. He came on with eleven minutes to go, and obviously we scored three tries uh, after that point. So I think I think that certainly um, had something to do with it. And it was really nice as well, boys, that, that he uh, he kicked that final conversion uh, uh, after the seconds that Mercer try.
2: Yeah, I thought I thought that was a nice touch as well. Um, it slotted it nicely as well. It's Classic Fosbury, like because you get Bail. some. Yes. Sorry, yeah, you get some players that sort of do
0: that kick at the end. Um, sorry Charlie I just interrupted you, but yeah some players kick that at the end and, and they sort of don't take it seriously at all just run back and just boot it over but Foto Lee had his run up sorted he was marking that out properly he wanted to get that so I think that was sort of a reflection on him <laughs> as a as a guy sorry
2: Charlie that's yeah, right, no, uh, yeah, exactly I'm sure he's been he's been practicing those yeah. uh, a lot at training Um yeah, I, I, I just yeah, I agree with the bench. Just reiterate it all. It was, uh, it was, it was great to see their impact. You know, very physical, and uh, they, they wanted to you know, stamp, stamp their authority on the game. And that uh, there was clearly a lot to play for, as we're going to get onto uh, later on, and you know, the ramifications of this win. So uh, uh, yeah, it was, it was it was it was good to see in that respect. Yeah, Levi
0: Douglas was was really physical. I thought it was interesting that they they decided to bring him on for for Dave Atwood and not Elliot Stuke. They had the two locks on the bench, and it was interesting that they went for him and, and, and not Stukey. And I think that physicality—he's a really big guy, Levi Douglas. I think that's sort of underrated just how big he is. Um, and yeah, I completely agree. He marshaled um, Nathan Hughes really well, and it, yeah, he brought that physicality as you mentioned. I was massively impressed with him.
1: And just 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 sort of looking on the other the other side of that coin. Just- Jack Rose, um, Joe Launchbury um, obviously mm. in his first game back for Wasps, and I thought he was he, he was pretty instrumental in that first half. For Wasps, as he as he always is, he's an absolute presence and an absolute monster of a man. Sort of standing in in front of us where we were sitting, he, he honestly is is absolutely huge. But anyway, um, that aside, I thought when he went off after about I think it was 60, 62 minutes. Um, after that, again, um, we started to build build some momentum, and I think sort of the Wasps. Um, maybe defensive structure um, wasn't quite as sharp as it had been. Maybe, a, you know, it was sort of coincidence, but I thought he was, he was pretty talismanic um, while he was on. And that, that, that to me, um, you know, had, had an impact as well
0: yeah I, yeah i completely agree. yeah i do agree tom but um we heard that a few times out of lawrence Delalio in the in the post-match interview so uh yeah i think we've all we've all understand the influence of, of joe launchbury in bath but uh, uh, on wasp sorry but yeah he is a massively important man i think in the
2: leadership side of it especially yeah you could say the same about jamie roberts going mm, on uh, and you know i i you know all the best to him uh he was walking around in a boot uh you know dur- during that second half so uh yeah, I hope he uh, I hope he's gets on the mend yeah he's probably I'd imagine he's still got an out Like certainly he will hope he's got an outside chance of getting that
0: Wales squad for the World Cup bit of experience so um, fingers crossed for Jamie that that isn't too bad an injury but um, yeah it certainly didn't look great did it when they walk no. around the boot like that it it doesn't look great, guys. Any other sort of things to bring up from from, from this game? I'll, I'll kick it off with one. Oh, you
2: go on, Charlie. Oh, well, I was just going to say uh, if we you know look at some individual performances. Yeah, yeah. I thought Anthony Watson was uh, was was really really electric. I mm. thought you know uh, he's carrying from fifteen, you know, the the intent that he was carrying the ball with is 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 just something that you want to see from your back three players. He didn't he doesn't <laughs> often have that little that little jog when they get the ball. He's you know straight straight from the off as soon as he receives. He's he, he's on the go. He's looking to break the line, and uh, you know he's got such a powerful powerful leg drive in him as well. And yeah, I'm just yeah you know, so happy to see him back. Uh, and he looks uh, he looks sharper than ever if you ask me
0: exactly I, th- I think that's the thing isn't it like we've discussed a couple of times like how he may come back and uh, and not have that same sharpness that same acceleration but yeah Tom we saw that I- I- in spades again uh, on-, on Sunday like he made a couple of nice breaks I remember one in the first half in particular where, where he looked back to his best even better than his best if if that's possible
1: yeah it's like watching um, a cheetah sort of um, you know in-, in a safari just sort of he just builds up his pace gradually and then he sort of goes and he's absolutely electric. And yeah, I don't think he's lost an ounce of uh, the pace and acceleration and, and, and footwork uh, that he had before his injury. So that was, I agree, Charlie, one of the, um, you know, really, really good to see. And I think um, all England fans um, will, will sort of echo that across the country. Just the other guy um, I, I want to pick out, and I know he was he was man of the match, mm-hmm. but, um, and we mentioned mm-hmm. him, you know, tens of tens of times on this on this podcast is that Mercer. I, I just thought he was phenomenal yet again, and and you know the stats back that up. 27 carries um, in the match is a phenomenal work rate to get through. Obviously, those two tries um, when he when he showed his power um, as well as sort of the feat he's got to beat 11 defenders um, in the game as well. So yeah, I, I thought Zach that Mercer was just phenomenal, and and again just never fails to sort of. Um, uh, impress even when bath um, themselves aren't playing well as that mercer seems to be um, electric uh, as always
2: yeah you're you're completely right tom and i think it would be an absolute travesty if he doesn't get in that world cup uh, in that world cup squad for england because to me he can do it all you know he in 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 the loose in the wide channels he, he is you know notably one of the better back row players in the entire premiership Whereas people sometimes criticise his uh, his his ability, you know, in in, in heavier traffic, uh, you know, round close court, round close quarters, and I, I thought I thought I was watching him, and I thought his, his his ability to just just to make yards with men hanging off him is actually seriously impressive. I think round the fringes, we've seen it a lot this season. Bath picking and going, especially when we get into the opposition twenty twos, and. He is the one man whenever he whenever he picks and goes he, he's always making you know kind of two and three meters even with with two men you know, ready to take him right in front of him and I, I thought that's you no know, it's, it's really impressive he, he's a big guy and he's he's more powerful than than, than you might you might expect and you, you stand him up against someone like Nathan Hughes who he will be competing with you know for, for for one of those back row spots and while while Nathan Hughes does does have you know other areas that that, that, that excel and he's supposed to be you know, Very good in heavy traffic, for example. I don't think Zach Mercer. Uh, is 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 much is much off his capabilities? But do do you just do you think? Try. I completely agree with you on on this game. He
0: he sort of showed he can ta- he can run in heavy traffic. But do you think he will be able to transfer that to the international game, which 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 is a step up in physicality? Do you think someone of his sort of body shape? Do you think they can transfer that? Do you, would you be confident?
2: Oh, I, I I certainly think he could. You've got to at least give him a chance, and I think you've got to stop trying to find the flaws in in, in players as yeah. well, and also be able to say, okay, he can do. This. Very well, and you know, perhaps perhaps not as as you know, as effectively as someone like Nathan Hughes. But he's got so many other areas to his game that are far far better than Nathan Hughes. For example, I'm just using this comparison on 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 the day I, as they were up against each other. I, I think other.
0: it's a crucial comparison though from from their point of view because, as you say, that will kind of be. Um, they're kind of the two the 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 two people behind Billy Vanipola for that England number eight show, So I think it's a really valid comparison. And I do agree that on the day Zach Mercer certainly outshone uh, Nathan Hughes. I, I would just worry that when he when he takes that step up to the international level, he may not be as effective in the heavy traffic. He'll still be able to do the stuff that he he does around the park, but. He may not be able to take that step up, and and when you're replacing someone like Vanapola, it, it, it's it's sort of better if you can have someone like for like, so you don't have to change the balance of that back row. And I do still think that that Hughes is more of a like for like. And if Mercer was to play, you may have to slightly alter your your back row because if you've got someone like. Uh, Vinapola or hughes certainly Vinopola, you can play sort of eat underhill and curry on the two flanks and and have the two jackal threat because you've got so much carrying coming out of him so i, I would just worry about that but but completely agree with you guys on on, on him on sunday he was he was outstanding and, and yeah carrying in heavy traffic doing it all on on sunday and, and you're right tom as well when bath played badly mercer he still rarely has a bad game and that's what's so so sort of impressive about him
2: yeah, I completely agree. He's yeah. he's always just you know, stand up for Bath. He's he's one of your consistent performers. Uh, never really seems to have a bad game. And uh, yeah, yeah, Bath Bath uh, a much better outfit whenever whenever he's in the team. Yeah, rugby league like stats those twenty
0: seven carries in in, in the That's game it. of rugby union is yeah as you say ridiculous. Tom, just one thing for me guys, and and sort of something that I really enjoyed about about the end of the game in particular, and and that was the reaction of the players like. You, we know how much they care. They care. They care more than us, which seems strange to to believe. Just how just how how much they care, but it's it's so nice, it's so refreshing, just to, to to be reminded of how much they care. I look at the reactions of of, of a Barno, um when Cock and Asiega scores there's a, there's a great um, shot of yeah. him on, on the bench and, and when we score that final try as well Cochane sort of goes to the crowd that, that are sat under the boxes and gives it the big sort of double fist pump Joseph there sort of with his two hands in the air celebrating like like, like 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 we've just won the Premiership and I just thought that was so refreshing to see because you know we know how much they care but it is always nice to be sort of reminded and just to see that and, and from a guy Guy like talking to see who's not been at the club long for him to react like that, I I absolutely love that. So, um, yeah, that was one thing for me on the end of the game. I i, I loved it,
2: yeah. Fantastic to see as well because the game was already won, you know. We'd already won the game, we were already, um, uh, we you know, we we, we, could, we couldn't lose it. Yes, we could have drawn the game, had something terrible gone there was wrong. Only five points ahead, yeah. So, it yeah. was there only five yeah, points ahead? D- oh, Davis God.
0: missed the conversions, so. I mean, of course, he did, didn't, he? yeah. <laughs> Kicking coach, day. I
2: forget that. <laughs> Sorry, um, uh. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't sure if well, Lee was kicking the final kick, uh, or because yeah. because it was his last game, or if, or if you know. Said, sorry, uh, sorry, sorry, Alex. Davis. Yeah, you off. Well, actually, um, I was going to ask you, Charlie. Like, it, it would have probably been a strange question
0: because you you thought it was the seven point. But what did you think of that decision at the end to to go for the four tribonis yeah. point when when we could have you know we could have had a, something go awfully wrong as we've seen go awfully wrong with Bath before and Marcus Watson for example go the length of the field and score under the
2: post and, and Bath get the defeat sort of what did you make of, of that decision? Well I'm clearly not the right man yeah. to ask yeah. because, <laughs> yeah. because I, I, I was uh, watching the game for some reason I, I think I might have walked out of the room while I was taking the kick Um, uh, but uh, yeah I, I was under the illusion that you know couldn't, couldn't lose it. Only seven, <laughs> so, so seven one, points.
0: What so, did you yeah. make them him? What was the sort of reaction in the crowd? Because oh, I, I can gonna imagine. Say, oh, I
1: was going to say, Charlie, I'm envious of you not <laughs> thinking it was losable from there. Because, uh, you know, that that conversion was myth We were all sat there in the stands being like, oh, this is set up for the ultimate barfugby uh, uh, cock-up at the end. And I... I was furious when Alex Davis (laughs) kicked that ball. I just thought, let's hang on to it down here. Let's just keep the ball for this last minute or whatever it was. I think it was less than a minute when he kicked it. And then let's get rid of the ball. He kicks it upfield. I'm thinking, here we go. As you say, Marcus Watson's going to run the length. The ball sort of went to ground a couple of phases later. And, and you know, no one's really mentioned this, but Sam Underhill straight over the ball, jacking it and we win that penalty. Um... Uh, you know, at, at the breakdown, we're oh, thinking, right? Yes, let's yes, kick man. points. Let's, uh, let's, uh, you know, uh, finish. What's the chance of, of getting a losing losing bonus points? We then shaped a kick for the corner, and everyone in the stand is just thinking, what are you doing? Let's end this game now. But um, as it turned out, obviously, we managed to managed to get that try. And uh, yeah, to say uh, that the that there was relief and and just. Um, sort of uh, happiness in the stands after that is a massive understatement. It, it, it's probably the loudest um, I've heard the wreck in a very, very long time when we when we scored that fourth try. So as it turned out, brilliant decision from Alex Davis to uh, to kick it upfield and, and fantastic turnover from uh, from Sam Underhill. But uh, yeah, if I'd been uh, on the pitch, I would have been uh, I would have been telling the boys to uh, get the ball off uh, as quickly as possible and not go for that bonus point try. But it could be crucial. Um, looking looking ahead for so two weeks time
0: yeah what I actually loved about um, that, that sort of moment and that decision like a lot of the players when Underhill got the as to say there was a lot of sort of celebration and a lot of people hugging each other because it was last home game so I think there was quite a lot of emotion going on and I think a lot of people assumed that we were going to get the pit, the ball off the pitch and sort of end the game but but Charlie Yule's, I, I was watching him and he very calmly sort of you know, thought about the decision and went, no, we're going for the corner. We, I back um, my line out. He was the one that actually went up and caught the line out and, and pushed them all uh, to within sort of five metres of the line. And I, I really like that from Mules because, you know, I've, I've had sort of slight man crush on Mules ever since we met him up at, uh, at Farley House. And one thing is his leadership. And I've been really hoping he can sort of blossom and, and, and take more of a and sort of, show how good a captain he can be for Bath and I really really like that moment of leadership from yours whilst everyone around him was sort of saying look we've won the game let's get it off he was very clear he knew what he wanted to do and he backed himself to do it and you know I've said we shouldn't be backing ourselves to go for for Moore's, um on this podcast last week I think it was but yeah I was so happy that they did because they scored and yeah I absolutely love that moment of leadership from yours I think it was a really telling sort of moment and, and hopefully more of that's come in the future from him. Yeah, yeah, completely.
1: And the line, the line out was something we spoke about last week. Mm. It was something that functioned really well, I thought. Um, and we were sort of quick, often sort of get the ball off the top and get it through the backs rather than um, sort of you know get turned over the mm. ball as, as as we've done. And just gee, I know, I know. Just before we move on on Yule's, um, it was really interesting at the end because all the players were in this massive uh, huddle. All the coaching staff um, were there. Um, you know, all the backroom staff as well. Huge um, huddle on the pitch after. Um, and if you look sort of in the circle, who was actually doing all the talking, um, it was Charlie Yules. He was sort of ging up the players. Um, I think he sort of teed up uh, Todd Blackadder to, to give a little speech and then um to a lead to do some sort of like chant um, in the middle of the, the circle. So, um, yeah, I think he's, he's really growing even more into a, into a leader um, and I'd be I'd be very surprised. I think looking ahead to next season, if he isn't, um, if he doesn't sort of take over as sort of a sort of club captain, and that's certainly something I'd I'd like to see.
0: Yeah, I think we can all agree with that I think Charlie was a big uh, fan favourite on this podcast and amongst a lot of Bar supporters. So yeah, uh, more of that leadership to come. And um, any other points to, to bring up on this game, lads, or, or should we move on to the other big bit of news uh, coming out of the club?
2: Yeah no I I just thought um yeah it was it was great for us to to actually you know, close out that game and, and win it because I was just I I wanted I I mentioned on a couple of pods back are the amount of times this season we we've lost those close games and because this was you know it was a close game come the end of uh, uh end, end of the match uh this season we've had 10 games that have finished in seven points or less and we have only won 4 of those There have also been two draws so there's been a, you know a number of times that we haven't managed to, uh, you know, to, to to get across the line, so it was great to see that composer at the end, you know, hold the line out back, backing himself as you say, and to come away with that bonus point. You know, obviously invaluable uh, in uh, in the league standings and our in our fight for top six. Yeah, I think that's actually
0: just the last point in this game. I think that's actually either four or five seasons in a row now where Bath's last home game has been a bonus point victory. Um, so the boys certainly knowing how to get people to keep on renewing those season tickets, I suppose. Yeah, give them a good send
2: off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah,
1: yeah, we're we just going to talk briefly about sort of you know the levers and the the, the the players leaving and sort of how that was announced as well. Because it was yeah. slightly, I thought, it was slightly strange um, on the day.
0: Yeah, go for it, mate. You are at the at the ground, so uh, tell us all.
1: Well, yeah, I was just going to say, because obviously we've spoken about um, the guys that have contracts and, you know, the, these contract renewals have been sort of um, being drip fed through to us. And um, we obviously haven't heard about the guys really who are, who are leaving apart from the high profile guys like Atwood. And so when we arrived at the grounds um, and I sort of bought a program um, outside the grounds and on the cover was obviously the three coaches leaving. Um, and then there were sort of nine uh, further players on the front cover Um, who we hadn't really been told were leaving. We kind of assumed were leaving. Um, But they were just all on the cover as well and obviously saying their farewells within the programme. And then we got there and they sort of announced it um, sort of over the PA system and sort of on the the screen, which I thought was, at the time, I thought was quite a strange way of doing it. But actually looking back now, um, I think it worked quite well. Um, Because, you know, there's no point sort of releasing, um, you know, a statement or whatever like that, basically saying, oh, these guys are out of contract. Um, So I thought it was quite a nice and fitting way just to say, right, you're here. Um, Let's sort of say goodbye and thank these players for, 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 you know, for for what they've done for the club.
0: Yeah, Victor Dalmas wasn't getting much pop there. They couldn't even squeeze him onto the front cover of the programme. uh just losing but he was on he was on the
1: board though which is what what was confusing
0: yeah they they read him out i think um i think i heard someone saying they read him out over the tannoy but uh yeah obviously not enough space on the front of the program for for victor delmas and his two bath appearances but um yeah sad to see a lot of those guys go but as you say tom i think we have seen uh seen pretty much all of them coming and um yeah a lot of ins and outs at bath which we will come on to uh when we look ahead to next season uh in in a couple of weeks time right then um that win has put us in prime position to get top six, uh, which we'll come on to a little bit later on in the podcast when we do um, preview the two weeks time game against Leicester. But more of that to come. But before we do that, um, we've got some news, guys, about the coaching uh, and the coaching setup for, for next year um, released today, Tuesday, as we're recording. Um, So I'll just quickly, uh, you know, sort of summarise what's gone on. And a lot of it, I think, we already knew or already certainly suspected. Um, So, yeah, Hooper confirmed as the director of rugby going forward to next season. Um, And then a sort of two head coach, two main coaches, I think, below him in Gervin Dempsey, who's going to be running the attack and the backs, obviously, at the club now will be his second season. Um, And then Neil Hatley returning from England after the World Cup. Uh, having previously spent four years with Bath, he'll run the forwards uh, and the defence. Um, and then Luke Chartres, as has been sort of widely reported, will be coming to, to help out our line-out, which I, I, I do think is in, in, in much need of sort of revamp. Uh, and then Andy Rock as well, who's been moved from academy manager, where he's, he's done a really good job as academy manager, to a sort of performance director. I think more inf- more of an influential role for, for Andy Rock, who's had a lot of success at the club. Um as i said at the start a lot a lot of this has been sort of uh widely reported and and, and i think hatley uh, is the only one where it's sort of been confirmed someone from coming from outside the club um so well back from from england i think all the other guys are sort of already in amongst the club uh charlie what is your sort of reaction and what is your sort of thoughts towards this now now that we know the exact setup of baths coaching uh, for next year and hopefully for many years to come
2: yeah. Uh, well, first of all, it's really great to have the Neil Hatley news confirmed. Mm. I think he'll, he's going to make a real good addition. Um, you know, uh, securing up, uh, uh, securing up our, our defense. And um, oh, sorry, that's just right, pass that right. across. Uh, before you lose us all completely, so uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, yeah great to have Hatley uh, Hatley on the team. I think he will be yeah, be a, a valuable member of the team. Uh, what does surprise me slightly? You know, uh, it's been it's been touted for a while. Um, the Luke Charteris uh, Luke Charteris addition to the coaching setup and kind of working uh, with the forwards on that line out As I, I can't really see what huge difference he's going to be making as uh perhaps a, a, as a coach is because he's probably been having a you know a kind of a a, a player coach mold this, this this year but it you know it sounds uh, it sounds as though he's not going to be able to have you know, necessarily a huge impact in that department i think it, it would be nice to have someone perhaps coming from the outside and as i say experience is so valuable in uh, in, in coaching and uh, I would have perhaps liked to see someone you know, coming from the outside. But you know, I've I mentioned that with, with Hooper as well. But as long as those roles are clearly defined and we know what the coaches uh, are going to be doing and what we should be expecting from them. Uh, you know, and we're just going to have to wait and see till next season to see uh, what the results are. Yeah, I think certainly Neil Hatley will be helping Luke Charteris, sort of mentoring him
0: as a coach there. Like, Hatley's got so much experience now, working with some really uh, good coaches at England. So, um, yeah, I think Chartres and, and, and Hatley taking charge there. Tom, yeah. what is your sort of thoughts towards it going forward now?
1: I think I think Charlie sort of... And it up well, sort of, sort of there. In that I think it's clear that we talk, when we're talking about the coaching structure, as we said previously, Stuart Hooper hasn't done any coaching qualifications, he's not actually going to be involved in the coaching side of things. However, you know, as we've spoken about, it obviously is, um, you know, it is sort of a really important role, and he hasn't got um, any experience at all. So, yeah, I think it was important that we brought in someone with, um, with sort of someone like Hatley's experience. Um, so, I'm happy, really happy, sort of, that we've done that. What I would say is, though, obviously that Hatley, you know, is with England um, at the moment, and obviously won't be um, available until sort of after the season starts. Um, obviously, given the World Cup this year, and you know, I-, I was reading something that was saying if England were to make it to that that World Cup final, then Hatley wouldn't actually be um, available and-, and-, and ready to come to the club until November the 9th. Um, which does seem, you know, very late. He'd obviously missed pre-season and a good chunk of of games um, early on in that season. What, what, what do you boys sort of make of that? Do you do you see that as sort of a a, a negative and probably have an impact on on our performance next season?
2: Yeah, it's it's obviously not going to be it's obviously not the ideal situation, but I think in the long term, uh, it's 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 definitely going to be he's definitely going to be a seriously valuable addition to the Bath coaching setup. And yes, if he if he doesn't turn up till later on, that it's, it, it's gonna it's gonna have its effects, uh, you know, on on certainly the the earlier half of of our season, and they're they're gonna have to make some kind of arrangements. So I don't know if they're gonna be able to bring in if they're gonna be able to bring in someone perhaps short term, or whether or whether uh, someone else already at the club is going to be you know, taking over that department and uh, you know, having more emphasis on that area, perhaps they be able to have a, I'm sure they'll have a meeting with with Hatley and, and kind of get the guidelines set out from the start so that the foundations can be in place by the time he does arrive. But obviously, it's not ideal. But I think from a long term perspective, he, it, it's it, it's it's something that we're going to have to we're going to have to you know we, we're going to have to deal with. Uh, but uh, yeah, right. yeah, that's all I have to I, say. Really, I, I, I actually do think it's quite a big thing. Actually, like
0: we sort of, you sort of mentioned before, Charlie, about Charteris and his lack of experience, and and he sort of seems to be the only other guy that's going to be focusing on, on the forwards and on the defence. And I, I know that I, I do think that that's a slight worry because I think I did read um, that, that, that 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 perhaps the, the Premiership schedule isn't finalised for next season, and they they're sort of thinking about making the Premiership Cup come earlier. Um, so that the international players and coaches don't miss any of the actual uh, Premiership, uh, the Premiership games. But but even if that is the case, like he's not going to be there for for, for season and we saw just sort of how detrimental that was for Bath yeah. when when Blackadder and, and Tabai Matson couldn't join until later on the season. I do think it's a massive thing, and I really hope they sort of well they must be considering i really hope they sort of put something in place to mean that we don't just start flat because if this starts to go wrong i think the fans are already pretty skeptical about this sort of setup as it goes if this starts to go wrong at the start of next season people are going to be baying for blood and, and and i i do worry about that though he's not going to be there to implement this stuff in the pre-season and, and i do slightly worry about that yes. yeah one
1: thing you, you just mentioned the forwards coaches one thing one thing i'd would quickly add is that Mark Lilly, mm. um, who is one of the part play coaches, he's going to be involved, uh, who you mentioned alongside Andy Rock. He is a specialist um, forwards and scrum coach. Um, so it wouldn't sort of just be um, Luke Charter is coming in and dealing with the forwards. He would obviously um, have involvement during preseason. Um, and, and he's obviously got coaching experience, but obviously not. Um, you know, he hasn't no
0: got the experience of, of Neil Hatley. Yeah, it's just going to be those two reasonably inexperienced guys to sort of implement a, a defensive structure in the preseason. So, uh, yeah, fingers crossed it, it, it sort of fits in seamlessly. But um, I would be slightly worried about that, and I did mention that that, that my that was my reservation about us getting Hatley. Um, but all in all, I think I'm pretty positive about about this. Tom, Tom, you...
1: boys, if, if if England if England do crash out of the World Cup in the group stages, then we'll uh, we'll have Hatley a lot earlier. So uh, um, there'll be a silver lining if that does happen.
2: Yeah, as long as long as it's not because of our awful defence, and then uh, we've <laughs> probably got things to worry about. Yeah, fast. yeah. England scrum is just we going go backwards. Back, we, we go backwards in the scrum against the USA
1: for eighty minutes, and then uh, Hatley comes back <laughs> early tomorrow. <laughs> So it's, yeah. it's all looking up, boys, all yeah. looking up.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, silver lining there, Tom if Hattley. But but I think overall I, I sort of mentioned that I'm quite um positive and I, I'm definitely a, a, a glass half full guy when it comes to Bath Rugspees. I think if you've been listening to podcasts now all season, I, I think you probably will be able to tell. So yeah, reasonably sort of positive and, and more influence, I think, to to, to guys like Gervin Dempsey. And I think that's key. There's a lot of coaches at Bath in the current structure. You know, Dempsey's working alongside Darren Edwards. Um, on the attack and on the backs. And I think giving him more influence and giving Hatley more influence and and giving Andy Rock more influence, I think that's key because I think this is more of a sort of refinement of the bath uh, coaching squad more than it is a sort of change because there's only one guy coming in and he's actually coming back from the club he's not a new guy and i think it's just sort of more of a getting rid of some guys and giving other guys more pronounced roles and more influent. i keep saying the word influential roles in the club and, and, and guys like gervin dempsey uh, you know hopefully will start seeing the best of him when he's got sort of the backs just to himself and he can sort of create that in, in his own mind I, i'm quite positive in, in that respect
2: yeah, uh, I'd agree with you there. And just just one last point uh, on the coaching setup before we move on. Uh, I I would say that I'm 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 hopeful over you know in my, my posit- I've obviously highlighted the areas of inexperience, especially with with Hooper and Charteris. But I'm hopeful that those boys, having come from the playing setup and you know, moving through into the coaching setup, we've seen sometimes uh, at, at at the top of uh, you know in that in the bath. In the bath uh, management system, there's sometimes some uh, you know, un- unhappy troubles uh, going on. You know, there's lots of people. Uh, you know, quite uh, people like to speculate uh, a lot. Of what's going on? Um, Behind the scenes, so I would say, hopefully, these boys coming from the playing setup uh, are more used to used to the style of, of management, how the how the system works, and so therefore, hopefully, we'll we'll be able to have a more a kind of cohesive uh, management system at, at, at the top of uh, at the top of the uh, the club.
1: Just one, just one final question for you on on this and on on Neil Hatley boys. Um, I saw a tweet earlier from. Um, an account called at the Dan Coalface which I thought was a pretty good <laughs> account name uh, for a start and I was just saying that you know we've spoken about how Hatley's coming in late um, as well sort of as far as I can work out and, and as this guy um, sort of says he's been sort of named in charge of the forwards and also the defence um, and he sort of says is you know does any other club in the premiership combine those roles because usually you'd, you know you'd see a separate forwards coach and a separate defence coach given that you know, they are quite separate and um, very important areas. So do you think potentially there's um, a few too many eggs in the Hatley basket, especially given that he'll be arriving late on in the season?
0: Yeah, but he will have those guys, as we've mentioned, Mark Lilly and and Luke Chartres to help with the the forwards and perhaps then his remit will be um, primarily with the defence. But yeah, he's got, he's going to have a lot on his plate, but I'd almost rather it to be sort of two guys with, with, a, with a lot on their plate and a lot to do um, rather than a lot of guys sort of each with having small roles. Because I think when you have that, you can sort of start getting mixed messages from your coaches. So I quite like the fact that there's really sort of two guys at the top, Dempsey and Hatley on, on the coaching side, who can sort of mould this team on both sides of the ball in, in their own sort of way and, and not have to sort of, um, not have to, please other coaches and, and, and sort of have the influence of other coaches on that um, thing. So I'm, I'm quite happy with the, the setup as it is. And yeah, hopefully they won't have enough on their plate, but um, yeah, really happened. I think the, the sort of thing, quite a mixed opinion here on the podcast. I think that's sort of reflected across social media, um, sort of uh, across the board. Like I think people are sort of mixed with, with, with how they think towards this. So uh, Hugh Walker saying, I've learned not to get my hopes up. So not blown away. Hope I'm wrong. Um, Lloyd Rimmer as well, saying coaching announcement was a bit meh as it was all known beforehand. But I will wait until mid-season to pass comment on the new setup. And then I think a few other guys uh, saying that you know perhaps the lack of experience has has, has worked for guys like Rob Baxter um, in other jobs. So uh, yeah, I think people are sort of saying let's wait and see how this plays out and and giving Bath the benefit of the doubt. So uh, hopefully we'll be proved right with that. Let's move on, guys. Um, G, I, do, I
1: do think you're spot on. I- I do think you're spot on when you say first few games of the season, first half of the season is going to be absolutely crucial because it's sort of going to determine um, how people feel about this mm. and, uh, you know, going forwards.
0: Yeah, and I think like you know, London Irish are coming up and, and they've made signings, some, some really good signings in the right areas as well, I think. Signing Sakopi <laughs> Kepu uh, to play tight head prop, signing Paddy Jackson as well to, to, to play fly half, Sean O'Brien to play in the back row. Signing guys in the, in, in the right areas. So, um, yeah, I think with them in the Premiership next season, like, it's going to be a real bum fight to um, to sort of stay up. So, hopefully, Bath aren't drawn into that, God forbid. Um, one team that might be drawn into that, uh, along with Bath, is Leicester Tigers. Um, nice little segue there. And let's talk about Bath's final game of the season away to Leicester Tigers because... Unfortunately, uh, we will not be able to do another podcast until after the Leicester Tigers game. So we're going to do our preview for that now. Um, And I realise that I'm talking quite a lot here. It's turning into a bit of a monologue. Um, So, Charlie, why don't you come in um, and tell us what you sort of think uh, about Leicester this season. I think that's pretty obvious, Ben. And how you think we're going to fare up against them?
2: Yeah, obviously Leicester have been particularly disappointing. You know, the the powerhouse of old is, is, is definitely uh, shut down for this season uh, and the workers have gone on strike. So uh, I think... <laughs> You know, you c- oh, compared don't. to seasons gone by, uh, we've 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 got as, as good a chance as ever, and we, we we have we we have managed to to go away and put in some uh, some fantastic performances away at Welford Road, and I don't see why this uh, should be any different. To be honest, uh, we've got a lot to play for. Obviously, we, we sat in that sixth position, uh, and we, we we need to get the win if we if we if we can you know if we if we want to secure our place there and have Champions Cup rugby next season. Um, yes. So just to highlight, just to sort of outline um, exactly
0: sort of the permutations going into to this game. So we're on fifty one points. Sale are on fifty points. Uh, we're on sixth. Sale in seventh. I think that's the sort of main area Bar fans need to look at, and and it comes down to wins, not points difference, to determine uh, league position. And Sale will have 10 wins as it stands, Bath have nine. So basically, what we need to do, we need to match what Sale do. Sale have got Gloucester at home. So if Sale get four points, four points will be enough for us. And if Sale get five points, we need to get five points. But if we get four and Sale get five, then they will uh, move above us on the basis of that one extra win. So, Tom, yeah, crucial that we sort of perform well at Welford Road.
1: Yeah, absolutely crucial. And, you know, when you look at where Leicester are in the league, um, obviously they're now safe um, with Newcastle having uh, lost uh, lost to Gloucester. So, you know, it, it, you would say it's a sort of dead rubber uh, for Leicester. But, you know, Charlie, as you mentioned, um, Leicester is obviously a, an age-old club. Um, and the tradition of Bath-Leicester, um, every week seems to be a derby, as we say, boys. But the tradition <laughs> of, of Bath-Leicester sort of dates back to... Um, for a long time, and has been, been probably the big bribery, um in the premiership um, premiership history. So, I think they will be very keen um, to do a job on us, and not only end our top six uh, hopes uh, for next season, but you know, end their season on a high uh, and try and sort of finish their season with some with some momentum. Because obviously, they have they have massively um, underperformed. So, yeah, I think they'll be coming. Um, all guns blazing and and and, and hoping uh, to invite us to join them in the Challenge Cup uh, next season.
0: Yeah, Charlie, why do you think Leicester uh, have been so bad? Sort of, what do you put that down to? Because, like the squad, certainly the back line uh, isn't bad. Sort of, why do you think they've
2: struggled so much this year? Uh, well, obviously there's there's been uh, been you know speculation about uh, about their signings who's managing uh, their checkbook there for example and that also links into just an over reliance on, on their international players i think mm. they've put so many eggs in, in one basket you know the likes of johnny may Manitou alangi george ford for example when those boys aren't available i think they 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 just they they're, they're quite an average setup really um, and the drop off into their second string is 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 huge but also i think their back row and their you know their, their, that kind of that back five of their pack i think really isn't 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 the most <laughs> doesn't really get your blood flowing um good job so, we've signed one of them for next yeah. season then isn't it? <laughs> I've, I've already i've already made my i've already made my uh, opinions clear on that but uh, yeah they, they 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 seem to be quite you know one dimensional in, in in their back row especially uh, and yeah i i think that's an area we will be able to target i think the one man Who has been looked quite good for them is uh, is is Guy Thompson over recent weeks, and he's he's made uh, he's made a nuisance of himself at that breakdown. Uh, And if we're able to you know know, cut him out the game and uh, and and, and counter uh, counter his his threat, I think I think we we should be able to walk over them relatively well, Uh, certainly up front. And uh, if we can bring those back three into the game, like we talked about. uh, towards the end of end of that Wasps game, then you know, we we should should be able to run in there, uh, all four tries, and you know, guarantee ourselves that top six spot.
1: Mm. Oh, that sounds like that sounds like pride before a fall, Charlie. If ever I heard it, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but I, I, I do agree with you though. I think you know one of the main reasons that they've struggled this season is just because they've been quite soft, um, particularly in defence. You know they've got the the most porous uh, defence uh, defensive statistics in the league. Um, you know teams at times, you know thinking particularly of. Um, of the extra Chiefs game, their Chiefs game when they, you know, concede over fifty points, teams at times have been able to just run in points uh, against them at will. So, yeah, I think it'll be important to beat them at the at the sort of breakdown and on that gain line. But I think this is a fantastic opportunity, um, as we said earlier, to bring in um, what is a, an electric back three that is sort of coming into form and and getting used to playing together. So, I'm really like to see Cook See you get the ball. Um, a few more times than he did um, at the weekend. Um, And obviously Anthony Watson and and McConaughey as well. And I think if we do that, um, we'll sort of be able to exploit um, some of those sort of uh, defensive frailties that there are in that Leicester back line.
0: Mm, yeah, I, I think I say the word um, frustrating way too much on this podcast, and it was my New Year's resolution not to say it again. But that lasted just as long as uh, my not drinking for January New Year's resolution. Um, but I think if I was doing a, a, a Leicester Tigers podcast, I'd be saying frustrated every other word. I was watching them play on, on 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 Friday night against Harlequins, and and they're sort of like Bath in a lot of things they do, but 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 even worse than sort of how Bath do it, the number of mistakes, the number of infuriating mistakes that 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 Leicester pack make if you're a Leicester fan you must be absolutely tearing your hair out especially when you consider some of the powerhouse packs that that club has seen in the past I was looking at them them packed down actually um and you sort of look and you think, that is not a scary Leicester pack. And that is what they built so much success on. You look at some of the guys they've, they've had in the past. Lewis Moody, Martin Johnson, Castro Giovanni. All these guys are sort of, that's the basis of Leicester Tigers. And, and it must be so frustrating to, to, to be a Leicester fan. Not that I have any sympathy whatsoever um but yeah it must be so annoying because their pack is is even more brainless and, and even more brainless than ours at times which um i sort of think wasn't possible especially after that sale game um right i i, I think we've uh, talked quite a lot on this podcast it's turning into a bit of a marathon so let's uh decide to make a little prediction um for a game which is i recognize almost two weeks away a week and a half away um, but nonetheless, uh, we may actually uh, get this one right um, for, for, for a change. And, and Charlie, I'll, I'll come to you first. You sounded pretty bullish um, about about Bath's chances.
2: Yeah, well, I think I think uh, we really we should be going there and winning. They're sat eleventh in the league. They've they've looked you know, pretty soft for most of the season. Uh, and uh, yeah, there's 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 so much on the line. We've got to put out performance I should probably predict a loss because I did that against wasps and we managed to go out and win and every time I predict a win we managed to, to, to go out and lose so uh, yeah I'm going uh, to say probably leicester by 20 <laughs> lester by 20 perfect what about you tom uh,
1: well you know what, boys that I hate all this uh, this chat about um, you know just more emotion in a, in an old rivalry and more emotion <laughs> um, in a derby game but I don't know part of me um, I think probably the pessimist in me thinks that Leicester are going to bring their A game to this uh, last game of the season and their last game at Welford Road. And I think it will be, and probably a lot closer, um, you know, than it than it would have been uh, a few games earlier on in the season. Um, however, I think we are riding the questionable wave. It is the last game for Bath, um, for the guys who are leaving that we've mentioned, and for the coaches. Um, so I do think we will scrape through. Um, however, I don't. Think um, we'll sort of get that all-important bonus point, so I'll be hoping and praying that, um, that that Gloucester put on a good show up at the AJ mm-hmm. Bell. Uh, but I think we will get the four points, um, and yeah, I think so. Bath by um, sort of Bath by a score.
0: Yeah. I tend to agree with you, Tom. I think like that sort of four try bonus point it, it could be crucial because Sale are at home against Gloucester. And we've spoken so we spoken when we, we we went when we went to play Sale. How good their home record is. And I know they they thrashed Gloucester uh, in that fixture uh, last season. So uh, fingers crossed, Gloucester's defence can hold them out. But but if not, Bath are going to have to be going for it, all guns blazing. Uh, to get that 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 four tries. And I, I, well, as I've done throughout every game this season, um, I'm not going to change now. I'm going to predict a Bath win. And as much as the forward pack is going to be crucial, um, we need to sort of get the better of, of the 10s. And, and if we can't do that, at least sort of minimise the effect that George Ford can have on a game. Because when he plays well, uh, Leicester also seem to play well. Um, right, then that's just about...
1: Boys, just um, you know, obviously we don't know about injuries, um, etc. But would you, um, would either of you, look to make any changes um, from the team uh, that we put out um, at the weekend?
0: Interesting to see what they do at um, scrum half uh, and in the second row. I don't think Chudley had his best game, as you say, and and, and Atwood um, and Roberts may both be injured. So, so perhaps a couple of changes there. But um, yeah, I keep it pretty consistent, actually.
2: Yeah, I, I'd I'd say you know, Roberts obviously injury injury depending might be out. But anyway, I think it might be a good idea to mix it up and perhaps bring in uh, perhaps bring in Max Wright. We're obviously going to have to go all out attack, and so if we can have a bit more uh, a, a bit more. You know, Agility, acceleration, pace on the field, I think uh, that certainly won't go amiss.
0: Yeah. Yeah, hopefully we'll get um, Peronese back as well just to shore up that, that tight-air prop position coming off the bench because you did say Nick's had a good game, but um, a bit of experience there against Ellis Genge might, might be crucial. Uh, Right, as I said, that just about does it. Um, Thank you so much for listening. Uh, A bit of a marathon, but as I said, no podcast next week, unfortunately. Um, So we'll be back in two weeks' time. Uh, In the meantime, enjoy the last game of the season as much as you can. Fingers crossed for a blue, black and white win. Um, if you're not already following us across social media do we're at Bath Rugby Plug get in touch with us there with your thoughts uh, rate us and review us on iTunes if we if you can uh, and, and, and share it with your mates as well because um, yeah not long left to go in this season but uh, yeah share it with them and they can go back and listen to all the wonderful podcasts we've done throughout the season thank you for listening thanks Charlie cheers Gabriel and thanks Tom cheers.